Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Deb. Curtis, who has a woman-founded small business and teaches future generations that there are other opportunities than corporate. Deb, how are you doing? I am doing great. And I'm looking at the Zoom here. You have Timmy. Is that, you go by Timmy? I really don't mind. Tim, Timmy, Timothy. Um, but I tell people Timmy usually when they ask. I like Timmy. Yeah. My, my old high school sweetheart was named Tim and we called him Timmy. So you just stole my heart today. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I love it. I love it. Well, Deb, we we love to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to, I guess we already know that your high school sweethearts <laughs> but more he about broke up with me though, Timmy. He broke up with me many years ago, so I'm a little uh, upset with him still. Yeah, <laughs> it's not ideal, but it was nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, just tell us a little bit more about what you like to do for fun, and then about what your day to day looks like in your business. Yes. Um, what do I like to do for fun? This is crazy, but um, I am a Gen Xer. And uh, we were raised to work hard and put everything into um, our corporate employment or our, just our daily grind, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> so as crazy as that sounds, I have learned to really love what I do. And um, I think through the years, my passion through the years was to do something that I love. And after 30 years in corporate, it taught me um, uh, an industry that has a wide variety of options, but one in specific that I love. And I learned a lot working in corporate. So that's kind of my hobby today as a business owner. However, my, um, uh, I have three daughters and my two oldest, one will be 30 and the other one will be 29. Um, they blessed my husband and I with um, four grandbabies, two in 2020, two more in 2022, and there's two more coming in 2023. So I'll have six in total. (laughs) I call them my COVID grandbabies, (laughs) Um, right? There's a big baby boomer coming out of these years. So my new hobby of late is my grandbabies. Um, I'm a a young, rookie, hip, modern Grammy. Um, and I will always be that way. I never want to be called grandma. I would prefer Grammy. So my hobby is uh, my my business and my grandchildren, Tim. So thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> so you're gonna have six total grandbabies in the next nine months. Isn't that crazy? November, the the other two are due. They're they'll know on the 29th of this month, both girls, uh, what what the sex is, and they're gonna find out. Oh, and I should add. I do have a 16-year-old daughter who lives at home, and she'll be a senior next year. Yes, there's a distance between the daughters. And here's the message for all of you, maybe elderly moms, not elderly, but older moms. Um, My first two girls are a year and a half apart, and we were young raising those girls. 
and it was easy. Um, we were we were young, <laughs> and yeah. the two and the two girls, when they became toddlers and grew up, they kept each other busy. <clears throat> so my husband and I were able to focus on work. We had them in daycare, and um, it seemed like it was easy. So then <clears throat> later in life, which is like twelve years later, um, during that time, I used to sing in a cover band. Um, it was a ten-piece horn band. We played covers like Chicago, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and just a lot of fun dance hits. We played for weddings and Midwest church festivals and um, all that kind of fun stuff. And I enjoyed it so much, but then I had to get out because it was draining me. And we decided to have, we were our thoughts were two more children. So the third daughter arrived. She was not a mistake. She was absolutely planned. She arrived when I turned 40. Okay. And then my husband and I had this mindset that we were going to have a fourth, a year and a half apart. And I, I'm telling you three months into the third coming at age 40, and my husband's a little older than me, we just looked at each other, Tim, and we're like, we're done. And he went in to get fixed. And there's your story. And now the grandchildren are coming. <laughs> so get I your kids, you. get your kids in early. Cause it's not easy when you're 40. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> That's awesome. And then tell us about, um, so love hanging out with your grandchildren, love hanging out with your family. You love helping people in business. What does it really look like? Do you help people uh, find the businesses, find the funding for the businesses, all of the above? Tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. So what I do um, is help individuals that are in small business buyer mode of established money-making businesses, small businesses that are either on the market, like a home is for sale on the market um, or, or real estate that's on the market. Well, there are small business listings on the market or they can find these businesses just through networking. You, you, may, know, you may know the business owner for many years. Sometimes a simple question, have you ever thought about selling your business, turns into an opportunity. So what I do with those individuals is mentor them, similar to like a first-time home buyer, but as a first-time business buyer, help them get qualified uh, for the bank financing as the owner and the personal guarantor of the loan with SBA backing, which is our government, the Small Business Administration. And that's just one side of the equation. Then when I have the buyer pre-qualified and vetted that they will pass as a personal guarantor, as an owner of a specific industry and dollar set based on their assets and their cash availability because just like buying a home or a piece of real estate you got to have money down right these banks want you to have equity which is cash down into the project so based on what all of that looks like i will qualify my clients to be that buyer at that set dollar amount you're familiar with that mm -hmm. and then we start to go to market <clears throat> to look for a qualified business listing. And when I say qualified, first and foremost, the qualifications come down to the business itself has to prove that it's profitable, 
by the IRS filed tax returns, the business tax returns over the last three years, reflecting, Tim, that the business operating as is, and if it continues with the new owner, will generate sufficient income to pay my client's SBA loan project business acquisition payment, right? That was a lot that I just fed, so I'm gonna pause. <laughs> no, I Did that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to go slow because there's a lot to talk about in there, um, but nobody knows about this. Not it's very rare. They don't teach this in in school in high school. You know, if you were um, had the opportunity to go to college, I, I didn't. Um, but you don't need a degree to purchase finance a small business. Really, what you need is a heart for people and experience managing people. And depending upon the industry, sometimes we want to see that there's there's some industry experience. Um, and I, I, I keep that vague because some businesses are just easy to own or operate if you're a salesperson and you manage people because business is sales, right? But if we're talking like a restaurant, that's a whole different beast. You, yeah. you might want to have, and the underwriters are going to want to see, you've worked in a restaurant and... Uh, um, understand how the operations are. So there you go. So okay. what do you want? To, what kind of business would you buy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So I've actually recently learned about it. I read Buy Then Build and I think I'd read it probably a year and a half ago and I just wasn't ready to receive the information. Like I was like, whoa, this mm -hmm. is intense. I'm more of a real estate guy. So I'll mm -hmm. keep looking at my real estate deals, keep trying to underwrite my real estate deals. Yeah. I started looking at business ownership. And so I'd say the biggest hurdle to me buying or increasing my real estate portfolio has been um, consistent cash flow. And I was like, well, once you buy the real estate, you get cash flow. But mm -hmm. I really think buying a business is better cash flow than buying real estate um, from what I've seen. And so mm -hmm. I'll go for it. No, you're good. You're, you're right on track, but, but, but I know what you're saying because I used to finance investment properties back in the day when I was in banking, you know, the strip malls and the decision from the underwriters was based on the rent, right? Of the tenants and the time of the leases. And then they look at the industries of the tenants in those buildings and anything can happen risk-wise where the city decides to do a, a 18 month construction project right in front of the strip mall and, and just business just tanks and people fall behind on rent. So that, that's a reality, but that's a reality to the business owners as well that are in those situations that are in that building. So there's risk like you mentioned, uh, in real estate investing, and there's risk in small business acquisitions, but everybody generally thinks about starting up a business, right? If you ever talk to anybody, I want to be a business owner and I want to start up from ground zero. Well, all the years that I worked in SBA lending, the number one transaction out of all SBA loan credit requests, which were um, startup from ground zero. I want to start a brand new business, working capital. I need cash uh, for payroll. I want to build a building that that can be an SBA loan. I want to buy a building from my business. That's another credit request. But between startups 
and buying a business that's established and already earning income, you know which one garnered an approval more so than the other, and that was the established small business acquisition. So if you can transition in gracefully and not be um, a bad new owner blowing out the whole team and it's already profitable, but if you can go in gracefully and and um, just oversee the business and, and you have a love of people, you are going to hang on and, and enjoy the ride of what's already working, right? Yep. Yeah. And in addition, the current owner that's working at this business that you're buying has been pulling an owner salary. Um, and they, they can range uh, based on average salary of that industry, or in some cases, some owners pull some pretty big salaries to offset the cash flow so they don't have to pay taxes. So we, we look at all of that together. That's something that I don't expect buyers just to understand, but all of this is what I mentor, what we look at, um, how do we adjust, what's, what's the business financials going to look like when you slide in, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're, they are profitable. And um, in today's economy, the best business to acquire is the ones that are essential, meaning we as average US citizens need our cars to be repaired. We need our landscaping done. You know, we need somebody to come out and maybe build a deck on our, our home, you know, stuff like that. We need, we're, grow, we're living longer. Um, we're, um, we need more in-home health care for the elderly because we're living longer. My mom is 80 years old. She lives in a senior complex. There's a lot of in-home health care agencies that come in and take care of the elderly. That's a boom in business. Uh, assisted living centers, restaurants, they can be booming too. So I'm going to pause because I tend to ramble and I apologize. Oh, no, you're good. I love hearing about the hearing about the booming industries. But yeah, I read Buy Them Build, read it about a year and a half ago, wasn't ready to receive the information, read it again recently. And I was like, this just makes too much sense <laughs> to neglect. Yeah. And so in Buy Them Build, I think it's Walker Dybul who wrote that yeah, book. Yeah, I, I have it too in my uh -huh. collection here. There's he a lot of good. Yep, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say he talked about a platform acquisition of like, if you have an idea that's for a startup and you know, it's a really cool idea. Yeah. You can go do the startup thing and you can go raise money, but startups have like a 90% failure rate or something like that after like a year or the first five years, or mm -hmm. I really think it was a year, but he was like, when you're buying a profitable business, specifically a business that's like the top 4%, if you can get to the point where you can have a mm -hmm. uh, 1 million EBITDA or mm -hmm. more. Mm-hmm. He was saying that um, those have like a 4% failure rate or <laughs> something like that, which was just yeah, insane. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think of um, all the banks I work for, SBA loan portfolios, you know, they, they service the loans and the startups were the ones that struggle. Um, and you are right. You know, they start startups brand new. Yeah, I have an idea and I want to start this business it's it's a huge risk but i have to say bravo to the startup business owners because if we didn't have them we wouldn't have established businesses to acquire yes. a lot of fire in the belly needed for startups that's for sure yeah yeah absolutely 
But speaking of startups, he was saying, if you have that idea, go buy a profitable business that is aligned in the industry and then use the cash flow of that business to build. So you're not building from a place of I'm working at W2 or I'm taking a huge risk by leaving my W2, but it's like, I'm already in the industry. I have a system in the industry that's profitable and I can use that profit to build something, especially when you're mentioning those absentee owned businesses. If you yeah. can spend 10 hours, 15 hours a week managing the operations of a business and mm -hmm. it cash flows $300,000 a year and you can take that pay yourself a little bit of a salary, but mm -hmm. also build your startup idea. It's way less stressful. Yeah. I feel like startups just get squeezed. So it's not that it's not a good idea. It's just that you probably didn't have enough financing or enough time to really get the idea off the ground and yeah. to the point of success. Maybe you were misaligned on product market fit or something like that too. But mm -hmm. most of the time, I feel like it's just you know, people don't give themselves enough time. Like some people will give themselves like two months to get a venture off the ground. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's probably. No, it takes idea. a long time, um, and a lot of money and a lot of bootstrapping, um, for sure. I like your idea though. Buy something that's working and that's profitable already, and use that cash to build up maybe that side startup that you're thinking of. And um, you hit it on the nose too. There are absentee-owned small businesses today, and what that means is for your listeners, the business owner. Um, more than likely is a baby boomer or Gen Xer and, or maybe even a millennial because there's some pretty um, hardworking millennials out there. They trained up key employees in their small businesses to own, let me say that again. They trained up key employees of the businesses to operate the business without their presence. They started to back out of the business as the business owner. And that's where a lot of small business owners make mistakes. They try to do it all. And I, I don't, it's only my way or the highway. And I, you know, that's not going to work. There's no value in that because when you sell your business, when you um, do everything and, and don't allow the employees to have a stake in, in operations, there's no value to a buyer because when the business sells and you, the owner that does it all walks out, that that's it. The business is done. Yep. But baby boomers and all these other generations that were smart enough and delegated to the employees and, and promoted, you know, assistant managers, managers, they report to the absentee business owner, maybe only on an emergency basis. And the absentee business owner just can work remotely looking at financials, calling the key employees, just, you know, security checks. I always say trust, but always verify. And for some, like you said, that only takes maybe 10 hours a week. Um, that's golden. I mean, that, and now maybe you go and buy a, a second business with SBA financing. Um, I've had repeat business buyers build up like your real estate portfolios with your clients. They built up small businesses that were already absentee owned, they took the time when they transitioned in to make sure everybody's going to stay. You know, when you do transition in, you might want to offer bonuses, perks, you know, you want to try to do everything you can as the new owner to retain everybody. And then when the ship is sailing as is, which it should move on and come back to me and let's look at buying a second or a third business. And um, 
the SBA allows every individual that is a business owner, you're a personal guarantor, but you are allotted up to $5 million in SBA 7A funding. Uh, well, actually, all SBA funding, I should say. We've heard of PPP and IDLE. So a total aggregate loan amount of up to $5 million. So there's, there's a lot of space in there to buy a couple of small businesses. And as the balances come down on your SBA loans, that availability goes back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Five million aggregate. <laughs> yeah. And some of these small businesses will trade at like 1.5 or 2x multiples. And so you can get a lot of cash flow mm-hmm. for like, I mean, the cash on cash returns can get pretty ridiculous, honestly. Yeah. If, um, but they're also, it is a business. <laughs> like, it's not just, yeah. uh, it's not like a piece of real estate on the operational side, you know, right. pay rent. It's a lot simpler to do real estate business. Mm-hmm. An emergency might come up. Yeah. Where you do have to know how to solve the problem. Managing like, people, happen. managing yeah. people and, and, you know, yeah. And then making sure your personality fits in with the people. Um, I do want to say too, the search of a profitable established business can be grueling at this time um, because of the economy that we're in and interest rates on SBA loans are real high right now because the Fed obviously increased. Yeah, exponentially, what, over the last 12 months? Uh But I like to look at that as opportunity in this market if I'm a business buyer, because if the business you buy today can afford today's interest rates based on its historical cash flow. When the rates come down, because most often business acquisition SBA loans are on a variable rate tied to prime, you can get fixed. And and that's my job to source, to see what we can find. Uh, But many of the fixed bank lenders are saying, why fix now? Because when rates come down, you can't refi your your fixed rate to a lower rate because you chose a fixed rate and fixed rates can be lower than what prime is today, but they suggest take the variable because if the business can afford the interest rate and the SBA loan project payment now, think what happens when the rates come down, that's extra cash flow to the balance sheet because now your payment goes down, right? So I think of the uh, buyers, the business buyers in 2020 and 2021. Oh my gosh, Tim, we were slammed. The market was crazy. Everybody was buying businesses. Money was free. It was free. Thank you. It was free money. But now what is happening in the market is a lot of the small businesses that bought bought a business and financed it at 3%. They're now sitting at 10.5% or 11. And that's a, that's a huge payment jump. Now all that profit is going to the bank lender. Um, so some, a lot of startups are struggling and a lot of um, uh, larger business acquisitions that didn't really plan for the future that the Fed was going to more than double interest rates they're hurting. So banks today are starting to tighten up their credit guidelines because their portfolio is showing the pinch. And um, if you work with one bank 
lender that does SBA financing business acquisitions, they have their own credit box and their own appetite and their own portfolio hurts, so to speak. So you're going to get a different answer from all these different banks because they have all their own credit policies, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as a business buyer, to navigate the waters of all the different credit boxes is difficult because it's all over the place. And that's why the SBA, which has its own credit policy, has a sometimes a bad rap that it's a headache, which it is if you're doing it on your own, trying to apply with all these different banks. I've been doing this for 20 years. Now that I'm a business owner, my clients engage me to source the banks that I know are um, not tight with their policies and are still lending. So. I save you that time. And as we know, purchase transactions are time sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to hustle on, on getting the capital and moving the deal. And, and uh, that's what I do. I hustle. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good because time kills all deals. <laughs> yep. You know it. Yeah. That's right. It, it always does. And I, you got to be prepared out of the gates because there are other people in line waiting to buy that business. And uh, a couple of years ago, it used to be the, the investment um, uh, firms that were buying businesses for cash. That's slowed down a bit now, uh, but they're still out there. And business brokers would gladly take a cash buyer versus a buyer that wants to do it via the SBA loan. Because SBA loans can take about a good bank can take about 45 to 60 days. Um, some of the other banks can take 90 days or longer. And sometimes it's not necessarily the bank itself. It's the sellers and the buyers not providing the proof of documents that we need, right? You've gone through transactions. Um, everybody wants to blame the banks, but sometimes it's just the borrower and the sellers that are dragging their feet on providing um, conditions that are needed to, to move the loan. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? Seeing in my clients, the old version, I should say the younger version, cause I'm older now, the younger version of me when I was in corporate and, um, probably in my thirties and in my forties, um, just stuck. And what I mean by that is, um, being a female in an all male dominated industry, uh, business acquisitions and SBA lending are typically all men. And I, I had a hard time navigating through corporate, trying to get promoted just because I, you know, I was the only uh, woman on the sales team and, you know, there, there, as you know, there, there can be um, friendships and, and, and favors with management and, and people know each other. But if you're the outsider, sometimes you don't get those favors. So I was always frustrated. Um, but now today I'm free of that because I no longer am in corporate and I control for my clients that may feel stuck in corporate and maybe dismissed or passed over. That would be a, a good way for me to tell you how I really felt over the years. And I would say to your listeners, 
you don't need to sit there and think it's there's no other options because startups are scary because you probably thought of it and thought nah, i can't do that i need my paycheck what if i could tell your listeners that if you're a hard-working corporate employee and people like you and you do a good job but maybe you've been dismissed and passed over what if we looked at established businesses that you simply transfer in to the business as the new owner and the seller will stay on for 30 days 60 days up to 12 months and train you kind of like a promotion um, taking over a small business as the owner in my opinion is like giving yourself the promotion you always deserved in corporate so that's my motivation because if somebody like me today would have taught me back then that this is an option i probably wouldn't be having this conversation with you i probably would be overseeing two to three businesses and enjoying greater wealth and freedom with my grandchildren and going on more vacations i would have i would have um planned my life out a, a bit differently so that's my motivation to get the younger generations aware of what this possibility is for them and get them to promote themselves. So there you go. There's my, there's my, there's my motivation, Tim. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. Let's, let's talk about this for a little bit. I'm a, yeah. so when you say younger generation, you know, there are people who are 22 listening to this. Maybe there are people who are 32, 42, et cetera. You do need assets to buy a business like we're not buying businesses for zero percent down here with the sba right so mm -hmm. talk to us about what it takes to be a qualified borrower and then like how we can go about making ourselves qualified for that first business acquisition mm -hmm. thank you for that question um think of purchase financing a business a small business similar to purchase financing your first home or your first car but then i know some auto loans you could get done at 100 percent financing but still i think they require a down payment anytime a bank or or a non-bank lender anytime they're going to do financing to purchase something you you have to have some what i call skin in the game cash you know because if you don't put cash down when you buy a home or cash down when you when you buy a car and you finance it or a business and you finance it if you have no sweat in the game and things aren't going well it's just easier to walk away right so to purchase finance a business you, you know at 22 years old is going to be a difficult because you, you more than likely don't have enough experience yet managing people right um however I have seen buyers uh, in their later 20s because there are some very motivated younger individuals that really ramp up their experience quickly. And there are some fire in the belly um, younger generations. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic but for everyone. And I just want to say, make sure you have some kind of management of people sales experience you know how to sell something right that's important because small business is selling um 
uh, you know, awareness of simple financials, like money comes in, you have expenses, and then you've got your net income. You, you, I mean, you know, you do this every day with your personal finances. So now you're going to do the same thing with your business finances. You don't need to be a CPA. You don't need a college education. Some bigger businesses that are you know, more expensive may require more of the responsibilities and, and experience on the resume, right? So it, it's, it's like a, a big puzzle. There, there are so many different businesses and so many different buyers. My job is to try to piece the two together. So there's not one size fits all. It, it's just the puzzles on both sides trying to put the pieces together. You do need good credit good personal credit. Um, that's a given. Now, some people get confused thinking you have to have collateral if you obtain a business acquisition loan. And there is a rule uh, that the government, the SBA mandates on business acquisition loans or any SBA loan. If you own real estate 100% in your name, whether it's your primary residence or other real estate that's that are investment properties 100% in your name if there's any equity in the real estate that you own the SBA requires the bank that's doing your business acquisition loan to take a subordinate lien behind your current um, mortgage holders that's the mandatory portion of the collateral but if you're not a homeowner Tim it's crazy as it seems, if you're a renter and you're 35 years old uh, and you want to purchase finance, you know, an $800,000 business that's cash flowing, that's fine. You know, as long as your industry and the business passes with the cash flow historically, um, you can be a renter and obtain uh, an uncollateralized business acquisition loan. And why it's this is allowable is the SBA guarantees on all of their loans to the banks that provide the money up to 75% of the loan balance that the bank provided. If the business goes under and the loan goes bad. So the banks are a little more um, giving and, and um, willing to finance uncollateralized loans. The key that we're looking besides just the buyer is the seller, the historical tax returns, the greater the cash flow historically, the profits, the net income, the more comfortable the underwriter is that there's money to pay that SBA loan project for the buyer. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think there's a misunderstanding today for business buyers. They, they think they're, they're thinking of their own, personal income today. You know, I have a, a rent payment. I have a car payment. Uh, I do have, you know, maybe 75 grand in the bank, some savings. Um, I have good credit and I want to buy a business. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they think, how am I going to pay this myself? What they have to remember is it's the business cash flow, the business you're buying. That's generating a net income, profits. 
And if you transfer in and you do it with grace and, and everything is running as is, that income keeps generating and that's what pays your SBA loan payment, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you're, so, still you're still responsible at the end of the day. So if, if the business has a bad month, then you have to have some kind of cash reserves and, and we call that post-closing liquidity. The underwriter wants to know after Tim puts down, you know, 70 grand to purchase this business, will he still have enough cash in case of an emergency uh, on the personal side, which we all were raised to save six months of personal expenses. That's a good start in case something happens. At least you've got a savings there, right? Mm -hmm. So the underwriter will look. We, we don't want to uh, wipe out every dollar out of your your savings accounts to buy a business that's not being frugal that's that's not going to happen yeah no. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah i got gotcha. you <laughs> and so we're looking at mm, probably about 10 percent at least right it's 10 percent down 10 percent down but um there are, are are other eligible sources of that 10 percent down payment <clears throat> such as a seller note can be included in that 10% uh, down, meaning the seller will carry back 5% um, of the price of the business on paper, and we call that a seller note. And that seller note has to be on full standby for, based on the new SOP guidelines coming out in August, uh, at least for two years, the first two years of, of the SBA loan. And then after that, the, the buyer can start paying the seller back for that 5% equity that uh, he held back to get to the 10% that SBA requires. What does that mean? You, the buyer, then only need to come up with 5% down, right? We could even split the 10% down three ways. And I've done this before. And a lot of direct bank SBA lenders that are just kind of new at it, don't think creative like this. Uh, I'm, I, I like to think creative. So if we split the 10% three ways, maybe your grandma, Tim, um, has some cash savings and she knows you want to buy this business. And she's thinking, well, you know what? I, I might have five years left. I'm you know, 80 years old. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just going to gift gift Tim a third of that 10% down, and then the seller carries back a third, and then you come up with a third of your own cash. There we go. How about that? And I look at that when I work with my clients because I'm forward thinking how much cash is going to be left over for Tim if we do this project, because the underwriter's looking for that. So in some cases, I'll ask my clients, if they have any family members that would help them out and gift you, what, what happens is <clears throat> the um, grandma would just have to write on a piece of paper that she gifted Tim, you know, uh, 20,000 toward his $75,000 down payment. And there's no payback required. That's it. No payback required. That's what the SBA requires on paper. And then we get the seller note on full standby for the first two years. You come up with the other portion and that's an option to get in the door and get final approval. Mm, there we go. So you need, 
not quite 10%, but you can get in the door for about three, three and a half, maybe 4%, depending on family members, seller carry back, which means you mm -hmm. got to find the right deal. But so to buy, you want to buy a business for a million dollar purchase price, just for easy math, you need mm -hmm. probably anywhere from 30 to 50,000 minimum, plus some uh, like good faith money after closing. What would you call that again? Post loan closing cash liquidity. Ah, I post, mean, the post loan cash liquidity. So you need yeah. 30 to 50K plus post loan closing cash liquidity. How much is that typically? Like enough to pay six months debt service, 12 months debt service? Oh, uh, and, and that, that again is case by case based on the size of the loan. But typically, I try to, I really try to tell my clients to stay in the 500,000 to 2 million range. I mean, we, I can go north to finance those big businesses, but man, for a first time big business, you better have a lot of experience if you're going to purchase a $5 million business. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we're talking first time small business owner, 500,000 up to 2 million, six months of, of, um, reserves in, in, uh, liquidity, meaning like a, a money market stocks or bonds, um, I had a gal once that applied last year to purchase finance, a staffing agency, and she was turned down by a couple other banks that said no, that she didn't have enough of that post-closing cash liquidity. She just kept getting declined. And when I looked at her personal financial statement, my gosh, Tim, she had all the experience, HR experience on her resume. This business was perfect for her. But when I saw her personal financial statement, I knew she was short on that post-closing cash liquidity. But I did see two vehicles that she personally owned. And long story short, um, she was engaged and her and her fiance broke up and she was going to move from Minnesota to Florida to, to uh, own or operate this business. And she had a Jeep 4x4 um, um, Cherokee, I think it was. And I asked her, what are you going to do with that? that four by four when you move to florida what are your plans and and she was going to sell it in florida so i said to her sell that jeep cherokee go to the local carmax dealership get a bid find how much they'll give you for it right now and i'll write up in my credit memo to the underwriter that um, she's going to sell this jeep like before loan closing and put this into her bank account for post-closing cash liquidity. Her bid was 32 grand on that Jeep. And she, I said, sell it in Minnesota where it's snowing like crazy. It's a four by four. And the used car market was hot last year. And sure enough, the loan got approved. We just had to prove to the underwriter before we closed the loan that the cash sale happened at CarMax and she deposited the money into her personal checking account. And she's running this business in Florida. And since you were Mr. Real Estate Investor, it included the owner-occupy commercial real estate that the business operates in. So not only did she buy a business, she also bought the building that it operated in and financed it. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Do you ever see people buy the working capital of the business for that post-closing liquidity or does that not qualify for it? Buy the working capital. You mean what's in the um, business's um, the current small business, like business checking account, the cash they have. Yeah. Like the cash in the small business checking account or yeah. like maybe lines of credit that they have or something like that. Yeah. 
I like where you're thinking. It's very strategic and smart of you because you have to have working capital out of the gates when you transition into this business, right? Mm -hmm. There's There are employees working and they need their paycheck a week after you take over ownership. And that's another area that people just don't know enough because we don't educate it. We haven't for over 30 years and that's what I'm doing. In your SBA loan project to purchase finance and establish money-making business that's gonna pay you the previous owner's salary and still be profitable, the bank lender will provide in your loan project three months worth of working capital to cover all of the short-term operating expenses out of the transition gates to ensure you're successful and you have cash at time of transition. That's on an asset purchase agreement, okay? Which is generally the most popular um, agreement in small business acquisition transactions. Once in a while, there may be a stock purchase agreement transaction. In that case, the balance sheet will show what the current business accounts working capital is and their business deposit. And, and perhaps there's a line of credit, all of that then will transfer to the new owner. Um, so I love your thinking because it's a scary thought for your listeners thinking, God, it sounds like a great idea, but I don't have money for payroll. Oh no, the banks are gonna give it to you in your loan because the bank has every right to be prudent ensuring you're gonna be successful at transition. And I have seen some banks um, fall a little short on the working capital out of the gates and they'll adjust and, and increase and give some more maybe three months later to keep that business owner um, on, on his two feet. Real rare that that happens though. Um, did that answer your question? It did, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. So just to recap everything somebody needs, it's gonna be a minimum of three to 5% down plus you know, the post-closing loan liquidity, which is typically anywhere from six months to 12 months mm -hmm. of kind of the debt service. Mm -hmm. You also need some good credit. What is that, yeah. like 680? I'd say 680 on up. Yep. Yeah. No no recent bankruptcies. Um, some banks will accept a, an older bankruptcy with a good reason. Um, it, this is a government-backed loan, so background checks are done. Um, similar to like an FHA mortgage. Uh, so you can't be a criminal. Mm -hmm. You have to be a U.S. citizen. It has to be um, a U.S. business. Um, you, you nailed it. And, um, and maybe some have, experience depending on yes. the industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. And, you know, I look at all of the initial documents and I ask a lot of questions of my clients because it's my job to package up your whole SBA acquisition credit package to obtain the fastest and best loan structure approval. Um, if you go to a lot of these banks, your SBA lender can be very transactional and just say, here's a package, Tim, fill it out. And then you send it back and they just slap it into underwriting and it's just turned down. Um, you really want to work with someone that's going to take the time looking at the whole picture um, with experience. 
uh, and make sure that they really have your best interest at heart to work the deal to get that final loan approval. That That's the goal. That's the goal of what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, cool. We got about four minutes left. Is there anything else that you want to chat about given the SBA loans or tell us about your dreams and goals real quick? Just list them off. Okay. So first and foremost, in closing, I did a practice the other day and I Googled up, how do I buy a business? And the first thing that popped up was to start with a business broker. Okay. I beg to differ on that because the business brokers represent the business that they're selling. And it's in their interest to sell that business because they're, that's their income. They're going to earn, I don't know, up to 10% of the sale of the business, I believe it is. <clears throat> so to start with a business broker, in my opinion, is not in your best interest because you need to find out first and foremost, what do you qualify for? Like that first time home buyer, what industry should you look at? How large of a dollar amount? Um, how much down payment do you have? What does your post-closing liquidity look like? That's, that's what I do. A business broker, what they're going to do is either not call you back. I hear a lot of that happening right now because they make assumptions and, and they're just listening to, they want cash buyers, right? So you're, you're best served by business brokers if you walk in with a bank vetted pre-approval as a business buyer. That's my mission. If you just cold call a business broker and say, hey, I want to look at this listing. The first thing they're going to ask is how much cash do you have? And send me your bank statements. I want to verify it. Listen, your bank statements aren't for sale. Your personal bank statements aren't for sale. The business is. So I wish business brokers would get out of the habit of asking for information from the seller because that's not for sale. The business is. And it's ironic because we want to see the business tax returns out of the gates to make sure it has enough cash flow to pay the loan project that the buyer is going to be responsible for. And that's a, it's a tug of war. It's a tug of war, right? Um, the business brokers do have partnerships with their quote unquote favorite bank lenders that do SBA lending. And what happens is if you Google up and you see, how do I buy a business? Start with your business broker. Well, the business broker is going to refer you to his preferred bank lenders and they're great and they already pre-qualified the business and they're gonna just, everything is great and feeling good because they're selling something. Well, that bank lender that they work with pays the business broker up to a 2% referral fee for uh, the loan amount uh, that, that you decided to work with their lender. My fear is to move cautiously because now you have a business broker that's selling the business. <clears throat> his interests are to sell that business no matter what, because that's his commission. He also is going to earn <clears throat> an additional 2% of your loan amount if you decide and agree to work with his bank partners. And the lender you're working with that partners with the business broker, he wants to get the loan done because he's going to earn commission. 
So you have two people working together for incentive, which is perfectly fine. I, I understand we all have to earn an income for the work that we do. I just would rather see business buyers step out of the business broker's recommendations because he's trying to sell the business and seek out your own advisors that represent you as the business buyer. Because if you're putting a lien on your home and you have equity in your home, this is your future. And I would much rather have a team of people doing due diligence on the business to protect you and your future interests. So that's a closing statement for me. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your other question? You had one other one. Uh, just I your dreams and goals, if you want to list them off, like want to help oh. many people, want to travel here, et cetera, et cetera. You know what my dreams and goals are? <clears throat> if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll see it on my profile. Unity and diversity. And I'll tell you, over 30 years of working in this industry, and now that I'm a business owner, my hope and dream is to level the small business ownership playing field for all the people, for all genders, for all people, no matter what color we are, white, brown, black, female, male, whatever we are. Because today, we know that this industry is very male white male dominated always has been it's banking i mean years ago the the breadwinner was the man of the house right so the average applicant of established small businesses to acquire them happens to be a white male corporate experience they had more um opportunities to climb that corporate ladder it's just it's a given we all know that so my dream and my mission is to change the narrative in this industry and to support women and people of all colors to become business owners of established profitable businesses. Um, it's on my heart. Um, I've prayed about it and God put it on my heart because of my experiences in corporate of being dismissed and uh, treated differently just for being a woman in a male dominated industry. So that's my dream, Tim, unity and diversity in small business acquisition transactions where everybody has a fair and equal opportunity to acquire these businesses. I love it. I think that's a great place to end the show. Deb, thanks so much for coming on. Oh yes, thank you for having me. Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Deb had to say, maybe you're that corporate person with 60, 80, maybe 100K in the bank and you've thought about starting a business, maybe buying a business, hit Deb up. She mm -hmm. knows a lot about the financing, knows a lot about the search and probably knows a lot with so much industry experience about matching a person to a business through the questions that she'll ask you and the stuff she'll get to know about you. And um, yeah, seems like she's just there to help you from start to finish. So hit her up, buy that business and start to build your legacy, serve the people in your community, and then roll it forward into impacting other people as well. So thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to hit Deb up if you're interested in acquiring a business or know somebody who is interested in doing that. And yeah, thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. Oh, all the links to hit Deb up will be down in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And on that note, we're out. Mm -hmm.
Hey there, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.